Weirdos have to stick together. The show where a couple of weirdos talk all about she and the Princess of Power. My name is Patch, and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal on Etheria. It's Chloe. How are you today, Chloe? <laughs> yeah, I slipped up again, huh? <laughs> I almost did it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you, you uh, saved it at the last second. <laughs> oh, you have no idea how close I was to saying boiling aisles also. <laughs> I, I'm, cur- I'm very curious how often you're going to say boiling aisles or Etheria when we ever we finish she and move on to the third show. <laughs> Well, I, I think part of it is like, because Boiling Owls is where we started, right? So that's how I memorized the intro. So I think even when we move to whatever the next show is, I probably will be slipping back into Boiling Isles, even though with theory we did technically more of, I think. Yeah, I, I think I think we did the math once. I think we're I think Shira overall we have like one or two episodes more than Owl House. Even something with the uh, the yeah. other two specials, yeah, there's something. Cl- it was close, but like still, like just barely above that. Yeah, but like that—that's what I learned, you know. So mm-hmm. everything else yeah. is an update. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's uh doing all right. I think I played a lot of the Splatoon this weekend to hey. uh, finally give Big Man a win. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Big Man's got the win. I don't know. I haven't seen the results yet, but uh. <laughs> I mean, big big man's had to defend in the tricolor battle all three times in a row since he's just been in the lead at the halftime. But this is the first time I've ever had to actually defend in tricolor. So def- I feel like defending in tricolor is actually a little easier than attacking in tricolor, because like when you're attacking in tricolor, you can still actually attack the other team you're working with. Right. Because like ultimately, it's like yeah, it's a win if the other team that you're aligned with ends up having more territory control, but it's less of a win if that happens. It's more of a win if your team is one of more ink. So you're still a little bit incentivized to still fight the other team of two at the same time as fighting the team of four. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's like it mostly I feel like it mostly comes down to whether you get like that middle thing that like sends up a uh, like big sprinkler that uh like just shoots your colored ink everywhere a bit for a while. <laughs> Because if you don't get that, your your team is just kind of fucked. Third <laughs> one of the attackers. But yeah, uh, a lot of that, a lot of uh, looking at all these Pokemon leaks and being like, oh no, am I getting back into competitive Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> Based on this idea I have, oh no. <laughs> uh, competitive Pokemon is a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. I've never been about that, as is probably obvious from my insistence on typing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, yeah, your typing is all ghost all the time. <laughs> exactly, yeah, you don't... As far as I know, you don't get a lot of uh, single-type purists in a competitive. <laughs> no, like, there, there were occasionally uh, times when, like, way back on the bad site that I think a lot of us were on, where they occasionally would try to do like actual like Pokemon leads back in like the Diamond and Pearl days of like, yeah, this person is like the ground leader and they're allowed to have like one or two that aren't that type but still have to have like an attack of that type. 
I distinctly remember somebody had like a Tyranitar on a grass team, and they actually like were like, "Hey, I did. I bred like 80 Tyranitar to get one that had good hidden power grass type, just to still fit." <laughs> it's like that's a little much. I don't know what exactly is the purpose there, because it's like Tyranitar wouldn't really go well on a grass team because of Sandstream anyway. But whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, the. Uh... Pax South was in San Antonio for a few years before they shut it down mm-hmm. forever. And uh, they did have a Pokemon League event there where the, the quote-unquote gym leaders would be specifically required to have those. Uh, yeah, I I, re- I remember they did the same with uh, Pax East the few times I went to the one in Boston where like, there were some times where they'd be going around like with like, not like an advertisement, but like definitely like a little like, print out of a badge or something to be like here you go you beat me but it's like also i don't think many people were actually able to probably do that because the wi-fi there would be a nightmare to try to connect to so that you have like the same level pokemon because <laughs> like that was when like that was when you had to do that for auto scaling since everybody had like a team of level 50 or 100 so otherwise it was just not going to be well like you couldn't you couldn't be like yep you have to have your entire team be a level 100 to fight me because otherwise you just can't <laughs> it's like that would just be not fun <laughs> yeah, no, that was never an issue at South, but I guess that was less well attended, so maybe the Wi-Fi wasn't as overwhelmed. Yeah, that's what I would probably think. Because, like, PAX East was always, like, 40 or 50,000 people. Yeah, I don't... I'm not going to pretend to know how many people were ever at South, but I don't think it was that many. But, yeah, um... I don't know. I had a very bad week. Uh, exceptionally bad, even, you might say. <laughs> yeah, you, you alluded to it a bit. Like you said, it was like something that was a bit too personal that you didn't want to get into, but it, it didn't sound like a fun time. Yeah, like, I'm not going to talk about it a lot, because, one, it is horrifying, and I would have to put about a dozen content warnings on the show. Uh, and yeah. two, it is very personal, but uh, suffice to say, I managed somehow to contract a parasite. Uh... And it is dealt with now. I have dealt with my uh, medical professionals. The problem is over, and yet, it sure did take up a lot of my time this week just sitting around freaking out about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's to be expected. <laughs> yeah, so... Yes. So that's pretty much all I did. I did watch the Weird Al movie, <laughs> but that's that's not quite the same, you know. Yeah, I, I I feel like I've heard mostly positive things about it, but it's like from what you said, you didn't seem like you were that into it. It's fine. I don't know. It's like how do I say this? It's it's, it's very. It wants to be a style parody of a lot of things. And so it's not a real biopic as much as it's a biopic parody of every other biopic and also every other movie style at once. And Mm -hmm. so as a result of that, Daniel Radcliffe, who is a very good actor, he's not really allowed to act in this movie because he has to just be the straight man to all the weird stuff that's happening around him. Yeah. And even when it is pretending to be a biopic, it just takes really weird liberties with Al's actual story, so maybe that would go over better if I didn't, like, already read Weird Al biographies for fun, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> like... Uh, bre- breaking news, uh, Big Man Sweep has finally happened. He has won every category 
to go a whole 45 points. He won every category. <laughs> it is finally big man's time. I'm surprised he doesn't do it every time. Well, I think it was just because, like, the last few times it was, like, the rock, paper, scissors, and what would you bring to a deserted island? So, like, everybody mostly picked rock just because people like rock. <laughs> I think partly because of the, like, the Simpsons meme of, like, good old rock, nothing beats that kind of deal. But also, I mean, like, the 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 first official one because that rock paper scissors was the preview one like the first official of what would you bring to the zero nine it's like well obviously you pick gear shiver is just right than this <laughs> so yeah but like shiver won twice in a row and it was funny because shiver actually brought that up in when they announced this Blackfest team of them just being like well you know maybe y'all should just like surrender because uh i already won twice why why shouldn't i win the third time <laughs> like really gloating <laughs> about it <laughs> But hey, a big big man finally gets his due. Poor Fry, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but going back to like, yeah. To the weird hmm? album, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's very just like the, the beginning of the movie is extremely tenacious D in the pick of destiny. Just that opening sequence with young Jack Black. It's it's that. Mm -hmm. It's exactly that, except with less swearing. Yeah. And um, yeah, it. Let, let Daniel Radcliffe say fuck. <laughs> well, at that point in the movie, it's not Daniel Radcliffe, because that's, that's an eight-year-old Al. There's four different Al actors in this movie. Oh, oh, fair, yeah. And none of them are the actual Al, who just plays the agent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny that he actually gets to actually play a character in the movie, but it's not himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like easy. I say, there are very good jokes in this movie. It's just that it's so dedicated to its style parody that it doesn't let itself be its own thing and i think that's to mm -hmm. its detriment yeah because i mean like yeah like when you just like i was talking to a roommate about this just like yesterday of like yeah when like when you're adapting something you have to like have the freedom to make it your own thing because otherwise you just get something really boring like the first two harry potter movies which are just straight up the book <laughs> Yeah, yeah I mean, well, like yeah. mostly they they did make some changes just for yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, they did, they got rid of peas and like had them like meet fluffy a different way, but still, yeah. Like you had to make some concessions because you have a two hour long movie <laughs> trying to condense a like five hour long book. But yeah, but yeah I, I mean, know, but when you stuff. actually get yeah, but when you actually get to do stuff, uh, you get the best one of those, which is the third one, <laughs> which is the <laughs> only one of those that's a good movie because the rest of them are bad. Not to say that anybody should go and watch any Harry Potter anything in the year 2022. <laughs> at least you at least you get to watch less of it because they killed Fantastic Beasts, finally. Yes, it did take a while, uh, but it's dead. Uh, it, it brings uh, a warmth to my heart to just imagine J.K. Rowling being pissed in her many tree houses over the fact that she didn't get to do the other two. <laughs> you don't get the stupid fucking CGI uh, shit fest of Dumbledore versus Wizard Hitler. Uh, yeah. I think if there is any Harry Potter media that people should interact with from this day and age, and I'm not saying that they should, but if you're going to do it anywhere, it should probably be the mobile game Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery, because it is by far the gayest piece of Harry Potter media ever. And also, if you don't Just watch the ads, not really then saying a you whole don't... lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but also, if you don't watch the ads, then, like, it's free, so just <laughs> wait for your energy yeah. to recharge, and you don't give her any money, you know? Yeah. 
I, the, the only thing I really know about that mobile game in particular is, of course, the the bit of the kid being choked out by the devil snare and being yeah. like, "You're out of energy. You should uh, you should pay for energy. Otherwise, you get to just let this kid sit here being choked out for like the next eight hours." <laughs> well, no, it's fun because see, uh, the, the the character who sets you up to get killed by the devil snare uh, that's Marula Snide. And uh, she is, imagine Draco Malfoy, but a girl and also with competent writers. And <laughs> uh, over the course of your adventures at Hogwarts, she starts out being an 11-year-old with Death Eater parents who's just like, yeah, my parents are cool and right, I'm the best, and realizes, oh no, maybe uh, being racist is bad, actually. <laughs> it's yeah, weird, right? Hey, it, it, imagine what that series would be like with an actual writer. I know, and right? Not, and not J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Who goes ahead and, uh, you know, excuses slavery. And if you romance her, then within the course of four years, she goes from the child who tried to murder you twice in one week to your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, I mean, how else would you want to have a gay narrative? Of course you have to try to murder each other. Obviously, at one point yes, enemies right? to lovers is the only way things are allowed to exist in popular culture. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Amity tried to kill Luce in literally their first meeting in episode 3. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, watch the Weird Al movie. It's good. It's just don't expect it to be a actual biopic that respects any kind of history. It respects nothing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably my favorite bit in this movie, and I'm just going to go ahead and give this to you. It's minor spoilers, but I don't care. Uh, in this movie, uh, Eat It is a 100% completely original song written by Al that Michael Jackson then parodied against him. So <laughs> that is a good bit, and I think it's fun. Yeah. Spe- speaking of uh, fun things, I finally started watching season three of Dragon Prince because I'd never seen it, and hey. because I've heard enough good things about season four. Uh, I watched the first four episodes earlier today, so it's like right at the, well, spoilers for Dragon Prince season three from three years ago, I guess, uh, <laughs> just at the point when, like, they let Viren out of jail. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's when, yeah, it's when that went, it's when that happens. Uh, so I'm starting to actually see more along the lines of how they're, because, pr- like, the reason why I never watched season three was that I heard it ends in a big battle, and it's like, doesn't that kind of go against the antithesis of, like, this entire show about, like, healing and forgiveness, <laughs> and not just continuing another war that's lasted, like, a thousand years, but, like, I think I'm starting to see where that's going in, because, like, it's obviously gonna be Viren doing some shit, because he just wants to keep doing, trying to do a genocide. <laughs> forever war so. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I was just, like, kind of fearful that it was just like a human versus elves thing and then it's like but here's them and it's like okay this is all good now yeah but no, i think it's more i think it's there. more uh, yeah i think it's more everybody against viren because viren's an asshole so <laughs> that that at least gives me more hope for season three's ending and then to get into season four yeah um i I'm, i enjoyed season four uh i will say it felt like it was very fast which... Yeah, even even just watching these four episodes earlier today before I like went grocery shopping to make like beef stew and stuff, it's like, wow, I'm already like almost basically halfway through season three, and it was like just like an like my early afternoon. <laughs> Seems a bit short. Yeah, the seasons are only eight episodes each, and they're like twenty two minute episodes. Uh, so they're, they're they're nine, yeah, but yeah, nine episodes. Yeah, 
So it just goes by so fast. I watched the entirety of season four in a day without realizing that was happening. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's only like a four and a half hour commitment, basically. Exactly, so, yeah. That, that, that's not surprising. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it is gayer in season four, so that's nice. Um, yeah, I, I did hear it's like more explicitly queer in season four. Because, like, I mean, you get little bits in season three with like Grinan's husband that's introduced. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it, it's like a little bit like obviously I don't remember it as much in season one and two, but also it's been years since I watched those. Yeah, big same. <laughs> yeah, like I had to, uh, like uh, when they like introduced like Amaya's like bud with like that she like points out that he has like a bit of stubble it's like i'm like i think i just vaguely remember this guy i don't remember what his name is though <laughs> <laughs> obviously nobody says his name because like for the most part everybody's just translating for what am i saying yeah but yeah it's like a lot of it being like oh yeah right rayla talking about how her parents like fled from the dragon guard and everything okay yeah i remember that now <laughs> good thing you have the previously on episode from a thing that happened in season one from 2018. <laughs> Is there a particular reason why they took like three years between books three and four? I, I mean, I presume a lot of it was just pandemic related, right? Probably. I never actually looked into it. Now I'm having to Google. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, yep, COVID-19. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, COVID affected, like, Owl House in general as well. But, like, yeah, it, make, it makes sense, especially because, like, I mean, I don't know which would be harder, like, animating by, like, hand, like Owl House is, or by computer, like, Dragon Prince. Obviously, impossible to say. Yeah, the thing about a Dragon Prince is that while it looks good, it always takes me a while to get into the animation style. Like, they, they yeah, move in the, such a weird way that it takes an yeah, episode the, or two the, the for me to get used to it. The end of, the end of, like, I noticed that at first, too, when I was watching season three, when it's, like, especially when they, like, had flashbacks of, like, season one and two, where, like, the animation looks a little rougher, even, yeah. than season three. Like, it's, like, yeah, it's, like, it, I, I definitely get that it, like, has a little bit of, like, kind of wonkiness to it, but that's also, like, that's CG guy in general, yeah. I think. Yeah. Especially, cause, Especially like, I mean, these uh, shows are so stylistic, you know? It's They're not real people, and they don't move like real people, but they're designed to yeah. sort of imitate it, and that feels strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know. It's, uh... I mean, a lot of the people that worked on Avatar and Korra worked on this, right? Uh... Obviously not, like, those show creators, because it's different... I don't know like how deep that goes, people. honestly. I mean, obviously, uh, what's his name? Main I, character is Sokka, but other than that... Yeah, that that's still the thing that, like, takes me a little bit out of it more than anything. It's just hearing Sokka's voice coming out of this other guy, because it's, like, it's not like his voice actor is trying a different voice. It's just Sokka. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess makes sense. I guess that's probably just his voice, and it just hasn't changed much in the, like, 15 years more or less since like avatar ended then when this began um it looks like the creator of the dragon prince was the head writer of last airbender so there you go okay yeah okay i thought i remember hearing something like that when they announced dragon prince years ago but yeah it's just like it's so strange that it's like i get obviously it's like yeah they liked sokka's voice actor they wanted him back but it's just so weird that it's just the sokka voice (laughs) like there's no different spin on it 
I had to look her up too, because I, I was like, is Rayla sounds familiar? Maybe that's just I'm used to like all the Welsh accents in Xenoblade 3, but it's like, no, I was like, okay, it's not Mio's voice actress, it's somebody different who's like not been in much TV shows or anything. <laughs> It, it was very strange because it's like I didn't realize until later on the person that played Mio in Zenoblade 3 also voiced Ronnie the Witch in Elden Ring and it's like she doesn't sound anything like Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> she's, yeah, she's she's the doll voice that everybody likes. <laughs> that you can team up with to say fuck the gods. <laughs> As you should because the gods are in Souls games are always bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Never believe anything the gods tell you about. You should do this to save the world. It's like no, that just perpetuates their fucking power. Fuck them. Bring down the stars, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, excited to watch the rest of it to finally be current again. Did they said anything about their projection for when season five will release? Um, three years. No, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that they are they at least have three more seasons in stock, like in the works, because it's like seriously you know, back when they first. Yeah, I, I was surprised at that too, because like I mean, back when they uh, when they showed when they announced the show, and like I saw that they were using like the book thing, and like we're talking, and like the first book is like one that the uh, six forms of primal magic. I was like, okay, they'll probably want to do six then, I guess, right? But it sounds like they're doing seven. Yeah. So if I had to take a guess, the seventh book will be like just dark because of dark magic being the seventh source. <laughs> well, I don't know how to feel about that if I'm honest. Because it does, it does seem a little long. <laughs> yeah, it does. But also, at the end of season four, it's very clearly a setup, right? The plot mm -hmm. that has been the entire series to that point will be resolved in season five, unless some absolute nonsense happens. So, mm -hmm. if there's three more seasons after that, what is that made of? You know? Well, there's there's two. There would be two after season five. Hmm? You said you, there you were said four that... more. No, no, I said there are three more. They have three more in the works after season four, so they have up, they have through book seven. Hmm. Yeah, they're not doing up to book eight. Well, that's something at least. <laughs> it it still seems like a lot. Like even back when, like they, again, when like the show first premiered and it was like book one, Moon. I was like six books, even that like nine episodes long. That still is like a lot of show. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's more than Airbender, because that would be 54 episodes. That guess actually is... No, actually, no, Airbender would be more... Or Airbender's more, because Airbender's like 62 or 64 episodes. So it's like, it's still like close enough, but it, feel, it feels more, I guess, just because it's more seasons. I never understood <laughs> why they used books for Airbender nor this, but hey, if they want to go with that, go ahead with that. <laughs> well, I get why they would have done it with Airbender. It was like mystic or, or whatever, because that mm -hmm. was very explicitly like mocking a specific not mocking but using a specific kind of a asian storytelling style you know chapters yeah. instead of or books instead of chapters etc it, mm -hmm. it was just that sort of i don't want to say orientalism because it's not that really it's not making fun of it or stealing it it's mimicking it in a way that is not exactly the same but is more or less I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm more into them using book for it compared to, like, I don't know why I always think of it, but, like, how Ruby used volume instead of season. <laughs> well, that's just volume weird. Always, 
Yeah, vi volume for a TV show always just sounds weird. It's not a book. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, it's like I, I mean, considering that they basically said explicitly that they were making so many Airbender and Cowboy Bebop references in that show, it's like, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they thought volume because it's like, we're going to ape on Avatar, but we can't just say book. <laughs> but yeah, no. It's a bad show. Don't watch it. It's made by terrible fucking people who actively use the slur for their one trans person on staff. Just fucked up. <laughs> any, any fucking surprise at all that they had like one of their main guys over at the Demon Hunter be revealed to be a sex pest? <laughs> Not at all. Uh, to my knowledge, one because I remember uh, Ryan uh, Haywood or whatever his name was was like uh, definitely an asshole. Yeah, sorry, that was. I was trying to be droll, but it didn't come off quite right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I definitely have heard people say like stuff about like Michael and Jeff in the past too, but it's like kind of I guess their whole shtick of always just being like a bit of a jerk in the sense of like talking to people. So I guess maybe it's just more endemic of a problem overall. Yeah. Again, turns out Rooster Teeth, bad company. Fuck them. Yeah, it's it's like don't do it, <laughs> or yeah. uh, you know don't fuck them. Is the thing they don't deserve oh, it. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was talking about this a little bit to one of my roommates earlier. It's like, just what must it be like to be the kind of person who like can sleep well while knowing that they're that everything they do is just hurting other people. You know, like what what must it be like to be Ron DeSantis, who's just like a fucking monster who knows that he's doing terrible harm to people and still just keeps doing it. Uh, I don't know. It's. I have long thought that the reason rich people do the things they do is because they're not happy and they think being more powerful or having more money will make them happy, but I guess the question is, how do you decide that that's more important than everybody else, so? Yeah, and it's just like the thing with like watching assholes like Bezos and uh, Musk be like, you have more than enough money to solve like most of the world's problems and instead you just choose to accumulate more and more money although i guess in musk's case recently uh blowing all your money on bullshit because people made fun of you for your uh trans daughter saying fuck you and your wife leaving you <laughs> god what an absolutely thin-skinned person <laughs> It definitely, I definitely have noticed what people have been saying recently. Of it seems like the timeline on like desktop Twitter has just been uh, a fucking nightmare because sometimes it's just like showing you tweets from like three minutes ago and then it jumps it up to like this is a tweet from days ago and then the well, next tweet is like tweet from like t fifteen to minutes show ago. I, I do I do have it in chronological order. I do have it changed <laughs> from the uh, stupid C top tweets first thing. It's well. just that even that is starting to fuck up, because <laughs> uh, it turns out when you fire everybody, <laughs> you uh, kind of have your uh, whole like always online like site go to shit. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I use Talon on my phone. It's a, like a different uh, executable for it, so it's not just Twitter itself. So it's it's pretty good with like not showing that bullshit anyway, and also of uh, like. Not having ads on it, so mm -hmm. I don't notice it on mobile, but I do definitely notice it on the fucking desktop. Well, yeah, I don't know. I 
do not use any other programs. I prefer to interact with Twitter unfiltered because I can handle it for some reason. <laughs> Don't know why, just slides off my brain like nothing's even there. You, 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 you using vanilla Twitter as like me playing a Souls game. It's just that I'm, I'm here to, I'm here for the pain. That's why I play Nuzlocke. <laughs> but that's the thing. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> it, it's not like playing a Souls game for the pain of it. It's like playing a Souls game and not realizing it's difficult because it's just the one specific thing that your brain is tuned to do. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, but yeah, that's. I'm going to be sad when Twitter leaves because it is designed in such a way. And does not hurt me in such a way that it actually is a thing that I like. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I I mostly just follow like people, either people I know or just like fan artists. So it's like it'll be a bummer if it does blow up because it's like, oh no, all the fan artists that have made like cute Owlhouse shit, I don't know where they are otherwise. That is a disappointment. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah, um, I don't think I have anything else for this week, have you? Uh, no, I don't really think so. Fair enough. I mean, we, we have talked about the thing we watched. Yeah, we should probably talk about the thing we watched. <laughs> the other thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so, She-Ra, Season 4, Episode 13, Destiny Part 2. <sighs> We pick up pretty much right where the last episode left off, and Adora decides to just dump Micah here in Bright Moon and take off. <laughs> yeah, see, here's something I had to bring up immediately. Like, yeah, he got bit at the end of last episode, which I think I actually skipped over in my synopsis, I don't remember. But he could still cast magic if he could just have Swiftwind carry him around. It's like, like, yeah, he's hurt and can't walk, but you can have somebody else move him for you so he could do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that, no, that 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 the, the the weird dad that's been stuck in the silent for like uh, fifteen years has to sit here. Yes, yes, we have no need for Beast Island Man right now. <laughs> um, yes, well, not only that, but she's not leaving him alone either because she wants the others, Swifty and Bo, and them to go to the fright zone and stop Glimmer. So she's just abandoning Micah in the castle. And eventually, presumably, the guards will with, find him with, and be confused. With Shadow Weaver. <laughs> with Shadow Weaver, yes. Here, hang out with this person that uh, completely decimated your order of sorcerers uh, 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, so maybe I, if I, he's I, lucky, one of the guards will stumble in there and recognize him from the mural, but probably not, because he doesn't really look yeah. like that anymore. <laughs> At the least, like, Adora realizes that uh, it's probably better to not actually just straight up go after Glimmer and that she should actually divert to go deal with, uh, well, I guess rather talk to uh, Light Hope instead. <laughs> like, she's like, yeah, it's probably not something that we can really catch up to Glimmer in time since Glimmer can teleport and we can't, so I'll go with the closer option. Yeah, I do appreciate that she's learned to, like, delegate and strategize a little bit because... Yeah, uh, well, unlike the actual monarch. <laughs> yeah, like we'll cover this in your episode, but 
the, the Aurora she is in your episode is basically who she's been for most of the series, and it's only recently she's learned to do some planning. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, uh, so that is the first sentence of the episode, and I'm actually very into this, because they normally would do a lot more recapping like we just did, but they've outgrown that. We're, we're just jumping into it. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it's it's been interesting. Like it's, This is similar to like what that house does a lot with its intro before it cuts to the credits, where it's like, Sometimes we would have, like, two minutes of preamble before the credits, and other times we had, like, ten seconds, like, the the bit when, like, Luz just wakes up to turn off her phone alarm and then it cuts to the credits. Yeah. <laughs> or the, and the intro sequence forever, back in the reaching out. But yeah, like, this is definitely, like, the shortest of any of them, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, but it also, like, this is, it is a recap, but it also explains to us what we're doing without, like, last time we did this, you know? Yeah. They've really leveled up on their writing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so um, after the credits, uh, Glimmer and Scorpia arrive in the Fright Zone, and they're heading to the Black Garnet Chamber. They have to sneak in, and Scorpia's like, confident about this, because she knows how to sneak all around the Fright Zone, and uh, Scorpia's method of sneaking is just straight up the Tom and Jerry tippy-toe thing. The only thing she's missing yeah. is the sound effects. <laughs> How did she sneak in the bright moon if she immediately is caught here? <laughs> well, I mean, that's just RNG, right? They open the door and there's bad guys there. <laughs> she, she rolled a nat 1 on herself this case, and she rolled a nat 20 last time. <laughs> well, not even, but, like, if you try to walk in the door where the guards are, you're going to have a problem, you know? A lot of stealth is determining which way you should go, and uh, she's not doing that today. <laughs> Yeah, so the door opens, and how, this is... Wait, hmm? but how did she sneak out of the fright zone initially? She just walked out. <laughs> like I say, you can be the best sneaker in the world, but if there's a guard right there looking at you, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know, I've, I've played Dishonored 1 and 2, you can kind of have guys just looking at you, and as long as you just duck around the corner, they'll be like, eh, I guess that was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Lonnie, Kyle, and Rogelio are here, and... They are not happy to see her, and at first it seems like it's because of the whole abandonment thing, but uh, Scorpia introduces Glimmer as the new Horde recruit, Glimax Pink Harrison, but uh, this does not fly. Um, Lonnie, it turns out, is mostly mad because they thought that Scorpia had escaped the Horde and was like going to live a life on her own now, and they're mad that she's back because <laughs> uh, if Catra sees her, they she will pro- very probably kill Scorpia. So, you know, it's nice that they thought she was out there living her best life, and I'm glad that they're not mad at her for coming back, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, this is the moment where they finally are leaving the Horde. I guess they were planning to do this anyway, based on where they are and their whole situation, but they just happened to bump into Scorpio on the way out. <laughs> but, yeah, they're, they're finally just done working for Catra and protecting this place, so they're heading out. And uh, all of these folks, there's a big hug, and they all part on good terms, and the polycule walks away from their evil boss while the uh, princesses walk towards him. Um, we cut away to Hordak doing his very best to kill Catra with his Mega Buster, but because of her monk level, she has evasion, so she's just able to dodge tank all of the explosion beams. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, yeah, she's not taking half damage. <laughs> nope. 
I guess that explains why she's able to easily destroy this like big blaster made of ancient tech, uh, civilization tech, if she has a better unarmed strike as a monk. Yeah, key empowered strikes counts as magic. <laughs> yeah, compared to like, uh, if she wasn't a monk, she would have a D4 plus strength as a tabaxi. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she's still claiming that Entrapta betrayed him, and he's he obviously knows the truth but she just refuses to let that go so she runs and ends up in the black garnet chamber which he blasts the smithereens behind her and uh she keeps on moving uh as he threatens that prime will inflict the worst pain imaginable on her but she just laughs and says he's deluding himself because prime won't solve his problems and they keep on moving. So they wind up in what I'm going to call the Horde Foundry. It is very much a foundry, but we've never seen this location before. And if we have, it wasn't named. So there you go. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't I don't think we've ever seen this place before in the show. Yeah, it's just like open pits of smolten or smelted metal where um, mm-hmm. the, the big sort of... You've seen it in cartoons, the big factories with pits full of molten yeah, iron. The, the, that, it's, it's, it's very, very much what it's, this is. it's very Star Wars Episode Two with them trying yeah, to build yeah, exactly. the vats of them making the battle droids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that they're in this chamber where she can like move around and has a little bit more space, she starts just pinging on his psychological weaknesses, talking about how he's like weak, uh, a useless, uh, won't be forgiven because he's a defective clone, that sort of thing. And then she just kicks his gun apart and rips the data crystal out of his armor. Uh, she then screams that she did not need Adora, Scorpia, and Trapta, and definitely not him, as a big thing falls on his head and he's dead at the end. Um. <laughs> Rip and piss, Hordak. Remember back when we said Hordak was a good boss? <laughs> yeah. That really didn't stick for long. <laughs> Miss good boss, Hordak. Yeah. He was such a good villain when he was a good boss. <laughs> Yeah, but it's time for him to not be the villain anymore, because Horde Prime's going to be here soon anyway. Yeah. So Scorpia and Glimmer arrive in the now-trashed Black Garnet Chamber, and uh, Scorpia just politely introduces herself to the Garnet, which does nothing. Uh, Glimmer just starts lying her ass off, talking about how Scorpia is a princess just like them, and she believes in her, and they can do this. Yeah, yeah, god, like, last time we were talking about how she's, like, starting to channel so much Shadow Weaver's manipulation, she's really doing that again. Yeah, she super is. Um, so Scorpia grabs this thing with both pincers, and it just starts glowing big and red, and it really, really looks evil, but I guess this is how it's supposed to look. Um... This is, I guess, the connection she needed, because she starts levitating a bit, and uh, elsewhere, Light Hope just affirms that this planet has suddenly been balanced. That's all it took. Um, She-Ra is still racing on foot toward the castle, and she is overcome by a wave of golden light, which is pretty much what we saw Mara going through a few episodes back. And uh, she realizes instantly that she's too late and it's starting, but... All around the planet, we see the other princesses getting massive power-ups as they start glowing with, like, Super Saiyan Aura is the color of their gay wave powers. Um, we cut back to the Fright Zone, where Catra, overlooking this defeated Hordak, is just confronted by a very ominous, kind of a, a domineering, menacing version of Adora. And when she freaks out, you know, you can't take this from me. I beat Hordak, not you. Uh, actually, it's double trouble. Uh, they were just doing that to bother her. <laughs> um... They say that at this point they have finally figured her out because despite her trying to be the villain, that's never really what she wanted because people just didn't believe in her or trust her or need her and so she was so desperate for approval she decided to be the bad guy and 
That's all this was, was just her driving people away. And this shuts Catra down in a way that we have not seen before. Like, normally she's always got some comeback or anything, but yeah, she's she's done now. She... <laughs> I don't she's, know why. She's finally but... starting to have her. She, yeah, she's finally starting to have her gay awakening to realize that she actually does need Adora. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so like, even Catra being like, "Oh, am I? Am I gay?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very much. It's very much the whole like, "Oh yeah, been there." I'm like, "Wait, am I? Is, is there a reason why I like these breast forms? Is it? Oh, I actually want my own, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> I want. I want boobs of my own. Oh no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, she asks Double Trouble why they're dressing her down like this, and uh, apparently this is a distraction. Uh, her army has been destroyed. Uh, all of them were ambushed by the superpowered princesses on their way to the Bright Moon, which was supposed to be defenseless. And uh, this is when she realizes that Double Trouble has betrayed her, and they insist it's not personal. They're just sticking on the winning side because... Uh, you know, since the Rebellion has the super weapon now, and they're going to use it to destroy everything Catra ever worked for, uh, Double Trouble's on their team now, the end. <laughs> you know, yeah, just doesn't even, 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 even mention that they're just being paid more by Glimmer or something. Yeah. <laughs> Says, oh yeah, no, even I, I would, even I'm like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> I, I would, I'd rather just be on the winning side, even if I'm not getting paid for it. <laughs> right, but, I mean, it is... Like, you gotta admit, it is good motivation to not get super weapons. <laughs> um, yeah, true. Yeah, so they take off, just leaving Catra behind, and she's done at this point. Like, she, she's been abandoned by everybody, uh, even though she beat Hordak, everything she's worked for is falling apart. She's absolutely down. No, no more. Just, we're gone. <laughs> And then we mm. cut over to uh, our good friends Horned Goon and Four-Armed Goon. You remember those two? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I just think I kind of vaguely remember them. It's like, oh yeah, the goat person. <laughs> yeah. The goat person that Scorpia kind of was buds with and that she just tries to murder here. <laughs> yeah, Scorpia walks in basically in the Avatar state, but evil and red. <laughs> and she just murks Four-Armed Goon immediately. <laughs> Uh, she's firing lightning bolts all over the place. It kind of seems like she can't control it at first, but after a moment, she's back to being herself, and uh, Horned Goon flees, only for her to activate a bunch of robots to try and kill Scorpia. And then we get the obligatory Scorpia defeats a bunch of robots really fast to show off how strong she is. See, you know how that is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this, Scorpia finally got TM24 here. <laughs> There is a little bit of bonding with Glimmer here, and I feel like this is real and not Glimmer manipulating her, but then Glimmer just sends her off to help defend Brightman. Before she goes, Scorpia does beg Glimmer not to hurt Catra, because even after all the things she's done, they are still friends, you know? She's still a person who could potentially be good, but... Glimmer just does a, you know, we're the good guys, we would never torture people, lie, and disappears. Uh, <laughs> God, it's like... Just flashes flashes back of the uh, the the curator being like I'm the good guy here and it's like yeah a lot of <laughs> bad guys say that. <laughs> hey, remember when uh, Glimmer captured Catra and wanted to torture her for information? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like Glimmer, you don't understand that the people who have to reiterate a lot of times that they're the good guys are usually not the good guys. She actually. wasn't even evil back then. <laughs> no, she wasn't. She just wanted to do a, she just wanted to do a war crime. <laughs> yep. 
on a, on a prison, prisoner of war. <laughs> um, yeah, so at the Crystal Castle, Adora rushes in, begging Light Hope to stop it. But Light Hope is happy Adora is here because they can start now. Apparently she needed Adora to be here for the weapons of fire, so good job, Adora. You delegated this exactly wrong. <laughs> um, mm, yeah, she should have gone with Swifty to the fight zone instead, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, not that I don't think, not that I think Bo wouldn't be able to do anything about Light Hope, really. But still. no, absolutely not. But what if he's, he's 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 the tech expert. He might have he might have something useful to think of. <laughs> I, I, Bring Entrapta with you. She would know. <laughs> I don't want to put Bo down because he is a competent fighter and he's gotten a lot better over the course of the series. Mm-hmm. Light Hope would straight up murder him if he walked into that castle. <laughs> it, yeah, absolutely. That's why you bring in Trapta, and Trapta might be able to actually, like, hack into it to stop or something, or at least not get murdered. <laughs> ah, she would set it off for fun. Um. <laughs> just to see what would happen. Yep. Don't, don't you just want to go ahead and, like, let the, the genocide laser happen, though, just, just for funsies? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so the sort of protection starts like there's a first one's rune on it now that didn't used to be there it just kind of crawls up the blade and Light Hope talks a little bit about how the weapon will be unleashed on all the first one's enemies and Adora kind of protests that all the enemies are gone because the first ones are gone uh, Light Hope just kind of insists that uh, you know the, the first ones will rise again it's uh, weirdly specific um, I don't know if this is deliberate but this is a thing you hear a lot down south. It really, really sounds like the sort of Confederate dog whistle phrase, the south shall rise again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. That's not so much a thing anymore on account of people just say their hate speech instead of pretending, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it turns out in the last, like, half decade or so, people just stopped uh, trying to pretend about shit and just started saying the quiet part loudly. Yeah. Um yeah, it turns out Adora being a first one is enough to rebuild an entire empire. So either Light Hope has some serious cloning plans or she does not understand reproduction. Um, <laughs> she also reveals at this point uh, the fact that she has Adora as a first one. This is why she used her powers to bring Adora through the portal. Because uh, it turns out, that's right, Hordak didn't figure out portal tech at all. It was just Light Hope who opened a portal to steal a baby. Except that mm-hmm. Shadow Weaver stole the stolen baby. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, completely fucked up. <laughs> yep. Jeez, can you imagine how much more messed up she, uh, Dora would have been if Light Hope had raised her? <laughs> uh, she would probably be totally into doing the genocide laser. <laughs> uh, during this conversation, the, the first one's writing is just spread all over Adora's body. It would look like red tattoos if it weren't killing her. Um, <laughs> she drops to her knees just from purely from the strength of resisting what's happening, but Light Hope insists that this is the function she was born to complete. And, uh, the heart has been activated and Chira will fire it. There is no way to stop it. So Glimmer arrives in the Horde Foundry to find a lost and broken Catra, who, when threatens, just asks Glimmer to kill her straight up. Um, Glimmer kind of seems like she might do it, but then she has a seizure, as the uh, first one's writing just wraps around her as well. And we cut to the other princesses having similar reactions, as the runestones start funneling pure magic from them into the atmosphere to be redirected into Shira. And, uh... Adora is now absorbing the energy, whether she wants to or not, and she tells Light Hope that the plan won't work because they're stuck in Despondos, but 
really, it seems like she's trying to convince herself more than anything, and uh, Hope sort of flickers at the mention of Mara putting them here, but uh, she insists that she delayed the project rather than ending it, because now that the planet is balanced, uh, Hope is just going to put the planet back into real space. Because <laughs> she can just do that for some reason. <laughs> well, sure, she's got a big old She-Ra battery. She's got enough power to do anything. <laughs> Fair. Um, but I think I think I was actually spot on with this because I think back when we first t uh, heard about the Spandos, I think at the time I was like, oh yeah, that'll probably be like an end of season four thing where they'll get out of the Spandos, right? Something like <laughs> and, that, yeah. Yeah, like more or less spot on. Uh, tur turns out again, just like as we established multiple times with Owl House, uh, I'm just always right when it comes to stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I I believed in Big Man, Big Man finally got his sweep, and now I'm right about the Spandos. Well, you see, um, I mentioned last episode that there would be more new characters in Season 5. Mm -hmm. uh, that's because we're in real space now, so we're going to be people who aren't from Etheria. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't say that last step because that would have spoiled that uh, the Spandos ended, but uh, yeah. So, yeah, um, we see uh, Swifty flying to the Fright Zone, and he just falls out of the sky. Um, this looks like it should be lethal, but I guess it's not. Um, essentially, his connection to Adora is backfiring. She's in a huge amount of pain, and so that's coming through the Sacred Bond connection. And it's questionable why they needed a Sacred Bond connection at this point. Like, he's not part of the machine. He's not absorbing power or anything. He's just yeah. He's really not getting hurt. That's that's all he does. So I don't know yeah, why. The only, uh, the only why time it's like so that. the the only time it like really came up was when he tried to use that connection to talk to Dora when he was like captured by pirates. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> On a boat, <laughs> and now to be hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's very true, but. You remember how uh, on board Light Hope was with it. You know, this is a thing you have to do. You must train. You must forge your sacred bond. I just don't see why. Um, yeah, it doesn't really come up. I mean, that like forging the sacred bond with the the horse doesn't really accomplish her goal of using the genocide laser. <laughs> like, it's, it, like Swiftwind doesn't have a fucking representation on the planet thing of like, yep, Swiftwind is balanced now. Yeah, that's very true. It's a good thing they could balance the planet with only six moonstones since the fire runestone got destroyed and all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, hang on, yeah, now that you bring that up, wouldn't it just be like, yeah, the planet should never be balanced because the fire runestone is gone? <laughs> you would think, but no. Um, yeah, so uh, from Bo and Entrapta's position, they see the portal opening. This is the way we're going to watch the planet transition rather than the whole planet moving through a portal. They just see the sky go white with purple fire, and then there are stars in the sky. Um they are no longer in Despondos. Uh, Glimmer collapses, finally realizing that Light Hope betrayed her and Adora was right all along, so it took you long enough. Yeah, it took you fucking long enough. Uh, as soon as you're having your magic drain from you to fire a genocide laser, Glimmer, exactly the thing Adora said would happen uh -huh, if you did uh -huh. this. Thanks, Glimmer. <laughs> and uh Katra does not really understand what she's upset about because she wanted to use the weapon so like why is this a problem <laughs> but uh apparently glimmer has finally remembered that firing the weapon will blow up the planet so <laughs> uh she goes to try and destroy the black garnet by shooting sparkles at it 
does not work. Um, nah. Adora begs for mercy now that she can see all these stars and planets in the sky, saying that Mara sacrificed herself to protect all of these people. And again, Light Hope flickers, but the, the quote-unquote good one says she isn't as strong as Mara and just can't change her programming like that. And then the bad one is back, insisting that this is She-Ra's destiny, because that is the thing the bad one talks about. It is her favorite word. Um, Adora tries to fight a little bit, but Light Hope starts aiming the weapon, which is to say, moving Adora's body against her will. It is some horrible body control stuff. I hate it. Yep. Real bad. Yep. Uh, elsewhere, we just got cutaway shots of all the princesses fainting as their power is being drawn away, and finally, it is time to fire the weapon. Adora insists that she won't be controlled because she's not a weapon or part of a machine, and she's able to draw part of that power for herself, and as Light Hope starts rapidly flickering between the original version and the reprogrammed one, uh, eventually she comes to the good option, telling her to do it, although it's not super clear what yet. And then, using all the power she gathered for herself, Adora brings the Sword of Power down point first and shatters it, and then wakes up in a hologram where the good Light Hope thanks her and fades away. Uh, Protecting, you said power. <laughs> uh, he manages the Sword of Power, so it's broken too. I don't care. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, uh, gotta be honest here, I definitely did see uh, some stuff like two and a half years ago about uh, the sword breaking, so I kind of knew this was coming on at some point. <laughs> yeah. Tur turns out uh, fan artists, especially years after something airs, uh, usually don't uh, go ahead and ignore <laughs> potential spoilers this for people is true. who have not seen a show. <laughs> now, I personally feel like this would be an interesting spot to end the season on, because, uh, you know, things have just happened and she's shattered the sword. But that's not where the episode ends. We still have several minutes left, so... Um, yep. Glimmer wakes up, and uh, Hordak is there, and he menaces her just a little bit, but actually he can just barely stand. And Bo shows up to save the day by shooting him in the face with an arrow. <laughs> <laughs> but Bo finally actually gets to shoot an arrow at a person, and it's directly in the fucking face. Yep. <laughs> like, every other time Bo's hit somebody with an arrow, it's ever been one of his trick arrows to, like, a net or something like that, or, like, pinning their clothes to the wall. This is just straight up, nope, I'm, I'm trying to kill this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the thing is, though, they get caught in a tractor beam. Uh, Glimmer and Hordak both get scooped up uh, because Prime is here. Uh, the skies above fill with Horde Prime's ships as we get shots of all the characters looking up in horror. And then Glimmer wakes up on board the ship with no powers. Um, Prime has brought Hordak and Glimmer to his command center, his, like, throne room, I guess. This is very Emperor Palpatine. Uh, mm -hmm. He recognizes Hordak as his missing clone, but he kind of thought Hordak died, so Hordak does have to explain that he's been trying to get back this whole time, but he was stuck in another dimension. It's just, you know, normal family stuff. Um, Prime is flanked by two more clones, which I only point out because these are clearly functional ones. They have the same kind of green eyes as him. His whole motif is like white and green as compared to Hordak's black and red, so it's just complete palette reversal. Um, yeah. He does say that he got the earlier transmission, but he couldn't figure out where it came from until all of a sudden there were just all these wild energy readings in deep space, and then there was just this planet there that didn't used to be. Um, Glimmer is just sitting in the back of this conversation, realizing what a horrible mistake she's made. It's written all over her face. 
But uh, Hordak just begs for his place at Prime's side, telling Prime that he bent the whole world to his will in Prime's name. But uh, Prime is just upset that it was uh, in Hordak's name, not his. And also, for some reason, he can't read Hordak's thoughts anymore, which really bothers him. Hordak does insist everything he does was for Prime, but uh, Prime just kind of loses it. Uh, the notion that one of his clones could grow and be a person and think itself maybe an equal to him is just horribly offensive to him. So he's, like, choking Hordak to death and then stabs him with some weird needle things, but uh, it's fine. It's fine. He just needs to go be uh, reconditioned. It'll be fine. Rip. Rip. <laughs> yep. No more Hordak. The end. Um, and then Prime just kind of turns around, does a full 180. He, it's all, like, politeness and joy as he greets Glimmer. And he's so happy to have royalty on board. Just apologizes for how messy Hordak's been, because, you know, after all, all Prime wants is a little bit of peace and order around here, dang it. Um, that's probably not <laughs> suspicious at all. Um, Glimmer asks if that means he'll leave Etheria alone, but uh, nope, because the thing is, he can't let a whole planet of people know that his cloning can go bad, so he's just gonna have to go ahead and Death Star the place. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he'll just go ahead and kill Glimmer first, personally, since she's here. It's only fair, right? <laughs> yeah, it's the law of hospitality but this is where uh, Catra shows up she must have been brought up in the teleport beam as well though we didn't see it happen and uh, she reveals to Prime that Etheria itself is a weapon and that Glimmer is part of it and she also claims that uh, she knows how to use it so there is a question here about what's happening and I feel like Catra is saving Glimmer, specifically. Like, she's not choosing her because she's part of the weapon. I think she's seeing Glimmer in trouble and choosing to step in. And I get that feeling because of the whole she broke completely thing earlier, you know? It doesn't make sense for me to, for her to just start playing the same game immediately the second a new guy shows up. So I think this is her deliberately going out of her way and putting herself in danger to protect Glimmer, but I could be wrong. Maybe she's just trying to ingratiate herself. Yeah, I couldn't really say one way or another. I was, I guess I was mostly just thinking along the lines of, like, she knows that you need the princess alive in order to fire the weapon, potentially. That's certainly true, yeah. And if she's going to make herself useful, saving Glimmer is the important play, because you need all the princesses to do that. Yeah. But... My thought here is that she's specifically trying to save Glimmer, and that's her excuse. Whether that's the case leaves a lot to be questioned, but I feel like the fact that Glimmer didn't kill her earlier when she asked her to is... I don't think Catra's the kind of person to want a, a debt hanging over her head, and this is her way of paying her back. Potentially. But either way, it doesn't matter. Uh, we will never talk about this scene again, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Prime considers this, and uh, he's right back into gracious host mode, and, uh, you know, uh, Glimmer's planet's going to be the jewel of his empire. How many times do you see a planet that's a super weapon? That's so cool. He got his own Starkiller base. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, like, uh, all creatures, no matter how small, deserve to serve Prime, so uh, everybody can be a part of it. It's great. Peace and order. And... Finally, we cut down to the planet where Bo and Adora reunite, and they give each other their bad news about She-Ra being gone and also Glimmer being kidnapped, and 
They don't really know what's next, but what they do know is that they're going to get Glimmer back, beat Prime, and save the universe. The end. It's quite a plan when it's like you don't actually have a full plan. <laughs> well, let's see. We have one spaceship. <laughs> yeah, we have one spaceship against his, like, uh, thousand roughly up there. We uh, don't have a super giant lesbian anymore with magic powers. <laughs> uh, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. They they really don't have anything going on here. And I'm gonna be real with you. I don't remember why Glimmer's powers don't work in Prime's ship. I don't I, know if I, that's something. I get. I just. I read it more as in it's just because she's far away from the Runestone. Like it would probably work around like the entire planet. Yeah. But if you get like out of the planet's atmosphere, you're not close enough to it anymore. That, that's what I was about to say. Suggest, yeah. I don't remember if that's for sure why her powers aren't working, but if that is the case, then not only do they not have Shiva, they don't have any magic warriors outside the planet. Because the yeah, instant they mount a rescue point. mission, they lose their abilities. Mm -hmm. Essentially, the well, only I, people you well, would Well, I mean, hey, e even, if, even if they didn't lose their powers through some reason, uh, I mean, two of them would already be useless anyway, because, like, Mermista is still dependent on water, and Perfume is still dependent upon plants. Yeah. There, there's not really much on that ship for them to use as much. Yeah. Frosted would be fine. She can just make ice anywhere. <laughs> or Unless maybe she's, like, frozen and she needs moisture in the air, and there probably isn't as much moisture on a spaceship. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably true. But... They go there, and then suddenly Entrapped is the most powerful of them, just because she still has some sort of power intact, since she just has her hair thing. <laughs> we don't know how magic works, so it's possible that if you sent Micah and Shadow Weaver, they'd be okay, but that's not the rescue team you want. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah they're, they're, uh, their magic's different, because it's like sorcerer stuff. It's learned rather than just, like... It's, it's, it's like, actually, they put work into it compared to being as warlock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yep. So yeah, um, that's the end of season four. It's it's big. It's uh, a lot, and Shira is gone forever. The end. <laughs> yeah, it turns out it's weird. It's weird that they named this the uh, show Shira when she was not in a whole fifth of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, the whole point is that she had to outgrow Shira <laughs> by being like, "Yeah, fuck the sword." <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. You remember how she was all tall and muscly, and then she realized she didn't want to be all tall and muscly and became a smaller girl now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Adora's finally transitioning. And she became a smaller girl by destroying her phallic symbol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> Adora transitioned into exactly the same person she was before she transitioned. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Adora tried out, uh, like, testosterone for a couple months, and then was like, actually, no, I don't think this is right for me. Which, like, but then for fair, some reason, was, then for some reason, told her doctor, yeah, can you just, like, give me estradiola? I know my body would produce it normally, but give me more. <laughs> <laughs> like, I started out, like, a little, like, not, like, uh, super femme, but now I want to go really heavily femme, so I just need more in me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, oh yeah. Good episode. I like it a lot. I really wish that there had been more emphasis on the uh, good bad dichotomy behind Light Hope there, because like we know what's going on, but we never really see the quote unquote good Light Hope. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we saw a glimpse of her when she was like seeing that one flashback of Murr that she then deleted. 
Yeah, that yeah. and then yeah, but now it's met. The other time we see her is during the uh, the Raz episode with the flashback. But even yeah. there, she's so little of a character. It would be nice to have her as someone who she talks about in this episode. One of her only lines: is how she's not strong like Mara and can't change her programming. That would be mm-hmm. so much more impactful if she was a person who was forced to be this other yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. So, like, if we had, if we got like maybe like a full-on like scene of her being forcibly reprogrammed or some shit. Exactly. Yes. But as it stands, we know that happened to her, but we never see it, so it's just not yeah, as impactful as it could it, have it's, been. It's, it's not like how we were like, yeah, uh, Glimmer's mom kind of does jack shit until she dies, but it's like, at least when she dies, it's still kind of sad because she's actually like being like, I'm going to do this to save the world, as opposed to like, you know, Light Hope being like, okay, th- thanks for stopping the apocalypse, bye. Yeah, pretty <laughs> just, much. Like, bouncing from <laughs> presumably the rest of the show, and it's just like, I I felt nothing about seeing her die, and it's like, yeah, she was an asshole for the most part of this, with like the few times she showed up, and never wanted to actually tell Adora jack shit. <laughs> so, get <laughs> yeah. out of here, lady. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's uh, season yeah. four. We are 80% done with she <laughs> Yeah, we are. It's It's Weird to think that we're already near the end, and we should probably just continue on, huh? I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, season five, episode one, is named Horde Prime because, uh, again, a lot of the titles in Shira are kind of really literal. Oh yes. <laughs> about what they are about. Uh, but yeah, it opens with a shot of his fleet. Uh, oh, one thing I forgot from last episode: his flagship is a really dumb design. It's so illogical looking. This thing does not look like it can like land well. <laughs> <laughs> like a stupid like fucking giant crystal spike the thing. Well, <laughs> in terms I of mean, shape. like flagships aren't supposed to land. You know, you just take shuttles into Atmo. True, yeah, but it's like it, eventually you gotta service this thing, so it's gotta land, be able to land somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe it's destroying clones out the airlock and like fix it. Whichever <laughs> 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 of you actually manage to hold your breath long enough gets, uh, I don't know, not a promotion. You don't get the promotions. <laughs> you get to live <laughs> if you get to hold your breath. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, his, his fleet's in orbit around Etheria with some of the. I thought these were just ships. They called them, like, spires later on, but they're landing there to, like, presumably, like, you know, deliver troops and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they really just seem like they're just, like, the troop transports. And uh, he has, like, uh, he basically has, like, distinctly, like, different drones. Like, he has, like, the kind of, like, flying drones and more, like, robot troops in a sense. They don't look like they're just, like, dudes. They look more like, like they're actually, like, construct or something. Oh, yeah, these are full-on warforged they're <laughs> yeah they're battle droids yeah. they're super battle droids they're they're not emily's that's for sure <laughs> oh definitely not they're, they're way more sophisticated than actually being bipedal compared to just being robots <laughs> but yeah uh the drones find two kids but the princesses Bo and swifty show up to save them with fedora now just using a staff that i guess she just got from somebody <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they never actually they never actually say if like somebody made this staff like if it dropped made it or if it's just something that was just in like a weapon room that she just took. I think it, it is just, just a like, stick. 
Yeah, that she just has a bow staff essentially now. I'm not super uh, sure why she didn't raid Glimmer's secret armory, but whatever. Yeah, there there are other swords in there. You'd think she would just take a sword because she's more practiced with a sword, but yeah. yeah. I mean, she's she's obviously like transformed the sword of protection into other things, but like for the most part, she still just uses it as a sword. Why not just take a sword? <laughs> or even, and hear me out, there were shields in that armory. She could have a sword and a shield. Yeah, yeah, sword and board, Adora. Get that extra AC. You don't have your magic protection anymore while yeah. you're a Shira. You gotta, you gotta make up for it with an uh, actual shield. That's classic paladin stuff. You, like you can't. Yeah. You don't, you don't have your, uh, your free weird artificer infusion to give your ma- yourself magic armor to get the bonus AC. You gotta use the shield now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Don't have your uh, custom holy avenger slash ring of protection item. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, the kids and other people from the woods are led to safety as, uh, for some reason I wrote HP and like throughout when I was writing HP I just kept thinking Hop Pop, but now <laughs> I'm just going to call him Prime because it's just easier than saying Horde Prime all the time. That's usually what but I yeah, do, yeah. Yeah, his uh, robots show up so they continue fighting them and Adora immediately also already forgets that she can't for the honor of Grayskull anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and the others have to pick up her slack while trying to remind her that she isn't as strong as before, which obviously she knows. <laughs> Now, now that you realize she can't transform anymore. Yeah. <laughs> After, th- you would think that she would remember already. Yeah, that uh, would be a, a, a thing you would think you would remember. That's yeah, quite well, crucial. Especially when it's like, this has been like, what, a week at most since the previous episode? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know how long it's been, but... Because I don't think we ever actually get any kind of confirmation, right? We just know that it's been long enough for them to make a yeah, couple of troop got, movements, they... and that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, they all got out of Bright Moon and set up an encampment. Then they've been keeping it safe with like uh more like not more like uh, sorcerers and stuff. But like, yeah, we never like get a full distinction of it. It's probably only been like maybe two weeks at most. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you you would think that Adora would already be like, right? I don't have the fucking magic sword. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but Prime sees one of the like his bot's cameras. Like uh, and sees Adora killing the robot at the time and wonders who she is before we get to the opening credits. Uh, and the credits are actually slightly changed again, like just like the last time when I they had to fucking get rid of Angela immediately, because <laughs> uh, Horde Prime's now in like the Horde segment instead of uh, well, uh, Hordak's still off to the side a little bit, but he's not the big imposing figure anymore. And Adora's final pose is very strange because, like, she does, like, the whole pose as she raising up the sword, but then she just immediately is changed to her normal self. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the whole, like, list of, like, the whole, like, uh, list of people. I didn't notice if, uh, if Micah is in there or not. I didn't see him in there, but I also wasn't paying close attention. Uh, neither was I, honestly. Yeah. Well, we'll see you next time, I guess. Uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and scrub through while you're talking. <laughs> sure. But yes, uh, after that, uh, Dora wakes up in a weird dreamscape where she remembers breaking the sword and sees Horde Prime, and she reaches out to a gold-like Shira-looking figure, but wakes up in her tent with her sword shards just next to her bed, because I guess she decided to keep this thing even though it almost did a genocide laser. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I alluded to earlier, uh, sorcerers from Mysticor are keeping up an illusionary bubble around the encampment to keep them hidden from the Horde, or the, re- the real actual Horde, not... Hordex Ford. <laughs> and Adora joins Bo and Enchata to check in on the updates to Mara's ship, because I guess they're working on that to be able to get properly to space. 
And in chat says that the update will take quite some time due to the complexities of space travel. Which fair, because she shows them on her little data pad that if we fuck it up, we just die. Because space is bad. <laughs> <laughs> People keep trying to go to space and we keep fucking it up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, and Chapter at least actually seems like she knows what she's doing, unlike Elon Musk. <laughs> she actually might ah. be able to get them to space. <laughs> I find she it interesting that Entrapta knows so much about real space since they've been in Despondos for so long. Yeah, it's a bit strange. <laughs> like, she's like she's so knowledgeable about, like, yeah, you would just die trying to actually, like, be in space unless you have proper, like, percussions and, like, uh, whatever they would call, like, uh, that stuff. I, I mostly think of like radiation <laughs> canopy when it comes yeah. to like uh the per percussions and stuff, but I mostly am thinking of that because I'm pretty sure that's what like the like the glass like fishbowl top thing is called in the original Pikmin that you get for all the mouse ship <laughs> to fix it. <laughs> um, pretty sure that's it's called the radiation canopy, but I don't remember what it would be called overall to make sure a ship doesn't just leak and blow up. Okay. Uh can confirm at this point double trouble is gone from the theme entirely. Uh Flutterina is Rip. not on the hero pose page. And, Makes sense. And uh, Micah and Scorpia had her. Wow, I just really messed up her name there, didn't? I? <laughs> yeah. Um. They've they've joined the hero pose page instead of uh, since Flutterina has been removed. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Adora goes and checks in. With uh, Shadow Weaver complaining to Micah about, and the princess about how them abandoning Brightman was a bad idea, and that they should definitely use the heart against Horde Prime. Both bad ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I get, I can get where she's coming from about abandoning Brightman being a bad idea, because at least they had, like, walls when they were in Brightman, but they also would be in a very obvious known location. That's there. true, but I also feel like it's important to remember that, like, the rune stones, right? It's not exactly hidden in Bright Moon. It's just no. out there in plain <laughs> it's, sight. It's it's not even like behind walls. It's just in a big stick. <laughs> right. And if that blows up, then that destabilizes yeah, the planet yeah. again and we're talking permanent natural disasters. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, if you're going to abandon Bright Moon, maybe hide that thing. <laughs> Duck, don't don't worry about it. We can't just have a, a detail of sorcerers around it to keep it hidden too, and it, you just can't do that for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, Marissa once again proves to be the sole voice of reason in this whole show, saying that they cannot even do so without glimmer and the sword, <laughs> so they can't even fire the heart if they wanted to. And also, it kind of almost killed everyone last time, so fuck off, Shadow Weaver. <laughs> yeah, but also, Adora gets this really guilty look about that when she says this, because I guess she feels bad about destroying the sword so they can't use the weapon, but... Uh, the I... weapon almost did a genocide on everyone. It doesn't yeah. fucking matter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> blowing up the bad guys is not worth it if it means blowing up your planet also. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Adora brings up that they need info on Horde Prime to learn more about his forces and find Glimmer. And when Micah says that the scout spotted one of his like ship spires that had landed near Thamor, Adora volunteers to go alone to bring them back. Which Perfuma again rightly brings up that she would pretty much need backup because she's not as strong as any she used to be. 
See, the thing is, uh, battle droids are pretty crappy when you throw them up against Jedi or clones, but when you have just <laughs> soldiers with no weapons or armor... <laughs> yeah, turns out they can uh, pretty much actually kill you. <laughs> and, and even then, I mean, you say that, but then you remember back in, like, when, uh, like, 50 Jedi were fighting a bunch of battle droids at the end of episode 2, and a lot of those Jedi definitely just fucking get got. <laughs> well, that's true. Like all the All the no-names. Even, like, uh, big ones, like, uh, the Conehead guy, like, just gets surrounded by, like, five clone troopers in the end and just get gunned down easily. <laughs> yeah, that's... Okay, so... Da-da-da-da, Star Wars talk. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with a lot of Jedi's crap is that it doesn't make sense in a consistent power level setting. Uh, Mace Windu single-handedly can fight roughly 500 to 1,000 battle droids, mm-hmm. like, by himself. And yet, in that arena, they were outnumbered maybe 5 to 1, and he couldn't handle it. With 49 other Jedi for backup. So, yep. it, a lot of what Star Wars is, is inconsistencies papered over with, oh, well, the Force was bad that day, so he couldn't see what his enemies were doing. <laughs> Imagine yeah. if your power was vibes so bad that it crippled you in combat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out uh, <laughs> the prequels are bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> Not much redeemable about any of them. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I guess you get to see Anakin Skywalker get his shit kicked in multiple times, especially by Obi Wan. I guess that's <laughs> worth it <laughs> in a sense, at least for that that third one. There's some pretty cool creatures. I like the lizard thing that Obi-Wan rides around on in episode 3. Oh yeah, that, that poor lizard. Rip, rip to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or the reek on the Nexu from the arena in 2. Those are probably the best part of 2. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, like a lot of the actual like characters are not even interesting in those prequels. <laughs> you know, especially considering that like uh, some like uh, kind of like minor supporting or I guess major supporting characters are just racist stereotypes of like Japanese and Jewish people. Yeah. Yay! Thanks, Ergelikus. Ah. <laughs> uh... God. I mean, again, the only reason why I thought that those movies were good at first is because I was like. 13 when the first one released back in 2000 oh, wait, no it was not 2001 it was 99 so like i was like 11 when uh episode one released <laughs> listen on a surface level well not a surface level on an examination level they are a very solid critique of the george bush presidency and the iraq war years it's just that they don't have lucas couldn't translate that metaphor into script and so we get lines like i hate sand <laughs> the metaphor yeah, is course. solid but the the the, the, the dialogue top, is, the, yeah the layer obscuring the metaphor is made of yeah basically poo chunks <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's like it's like yeah again it's like it's it's a, it would be a good delivery if it was written well yeah <laughs> but it was not because it was written by george lucas <laughs> modern day george lucas rapper i should say well, even that, like, I think Lucas is a very interesting creator. I'm not... He is not a bad writer, exactly. He just can't do dialogue is the problem. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Maybe there would have actually been, like, better if, like, Anakin was not 
a nine-year-old baby in the first one and like was more of a teenager well no that's like because like that that's the whole metaphor right is anakin is one of the oppressed he's a slave and then the instant he becomes a part of the jedi hegemony suddenly he starts upholding that system it's like he never comes back and frees all the slaves like he says he's going to yeah he really doesn't no he definitely does not that's the whole point of that metaphor the instant he becomes a part of the power structure he's just on board with it yep also, I mean, like the slaves in Star Wars never really are like treated like actual slaves because they have like own their own houses and can make their own droids and stuff to serve them. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think George Lucas knows what the word slave implies. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I... Obviously, I don't need to see nine-year-old Anakin Skywalker and his mom getting whipped by Watto <laughs> or anything, <laughs> but like. You can't just treat them like they have like a nice like two story house with a veranda and call them slaves. They don't have a two story house with a veranda. They have a one story hovel, and if they leave, their heads explode. It it's definitely still like better accommodation you would think a, a person being called a slave would get. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's still like a dwelling compared to like a cot. They still have something. enough food to feed these Jedi who showed up, and also Jar Jar. Yeah, yeah, that too. They feed Je- they feed uh fucking uh Qui Gon, Padme in disguise, and Jar Jar. <laughs> and service R2. I don't know if R2 needs like oil to like does R2 like drink oil in place of food? I don't know. Nah, it's just a power know. charge. Yeah, I guess. Oh yeah, because he's like in like sleep mode for like a couple years there when Luke does stuff in uh, the stuff between episodes six and seven. Yep. Yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> at times, at times pretty good. Uh, a lot of times, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's kind of the majority of Star Wars. Like I feel like like at least like sixty percent of Star Wars is like this isn't that great. <laughs> There's like a good like thirty five or so percent of Star Wars that's good, and then like uh yeah maybe like... whenever they try to do stuff that's actually not just Skywalker shit and ends up actually good like Andor people like that show yeah Andor is great but then um, yeah I think I was like people didn't that... even give a shit about the Boba Fett show and because like it like eventually they were like yeah we brought Mando into this because we had to because that's the only way people would actually give a shit and also get the watch this if they want to know what's going on for Mando season three I disagree. I believe they brought the Mandalorian in because they were afraid that Boba Fett would fail, and uh, it made Boba Fett fail. (laughs) (laughs) Boba Fett was a fine, if kind of hokey, story on its own. Bringing the Mandalorian into it only diminished it. I guess similar to like how they had to bring in Luke into that, when it's like, we established that like other Jedi survived the purge. Like, I mean, frickin', uh, unfortunately the turf playing, uh, Fucking what's her name? Uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka, yeah, she's out there. So it's like there are there, like just fucking bring in like Kyle Kestis or whatever from or Kyle Kestis from Last Order, huh. or, not Last Order, uh, Fallen Order, and be like he's the guy that finds Grogu and like answers the call. Robin is always just being Luke fucking Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> Do something other than just bringing in Je- like Skywalker shit. <laughs> Like I, I kind of don't care about Mando season three now because it's like uh, I know I know that they resolved that in Boba Fett and like but it's like you still had to just you couldn't help yourself from not just bringing in Luke Skywalker in a, a terrifying digital simulacrum of what uh, Mike Mark Hamill looked like when he was a teenager or a young adult. Yeah, I'm hey. of kind of of two minds about that if I'm honest because obviously it was bad. They shouldn't have done it. You don't want to bring in CGI Mark Hamill. 
on the other hand, I do like the statement of, actually, no, we don't want Skywalkers in our show. Uh, you, we reject you wholly. You, you get out of my life. The end. <laughs> yeah, is that at least I guess. I don't feel like it's a strong enough statement, but it's an interesting one, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess. Like, all of Star Wars, and I'm broadly including everything except the, the three sequel movies here, could have been magnificent. It's all solid ideas that need punch-up writers and editors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the, the yeah. sequel trilogy is just unsalvageable, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I still like The Last Jedi. The Last like, Jedi I mean, like... is great in a lot of ways, but every time I watch it thinking, oh yes, this is my favorite Star Wars movie, then I remember uh, Canto Bite has to happen. <laughs> I, I'm okay with Canto Bite. No, I don't, I don't, it's, like, I def, it's definitely like a stranger part of the movie, but I do at least like the message of like, yeah, look at all these war profiteers at, like being assholes. <laughs> Like they they don't give a fuck about like the status the state of the galaxy they just want to make money off of it fuck them yeah but like that whole plot goes nowhere if that were a thing for Finn to see and change how he deals with the rebellion then yeah sure okay but instead yeah, we get like, DJ walking in and going these guys are bad those guys are bad they're all bad but they give me money now I'm going to leave and this won't change the plot <laughs> yeah like maybe if they actually like uh were able to make uh, episode 9 without just being like everything we said in the previous movie uh fuck it <laughs> maybe if they actually were able to like have an actual writer and not JJ Abrams to make that movie maybe they would have gone maybe they actually would have uh, addressed that stuff of like yeah no this is all fucked <laughs> fuck both the first order and the, the resistance yeah. they both suck one sucks more than the other because they have literal like planet destroying technology, but you guys also suck. <laughs> Having seen the kind of incredible things Ryan Johnson is capable of, I can only assume that his script got killed to hell by uh, Star Wars execs. Because yeah. like, I, I don't see a reason for that sequence in the movie as it is, but it might have meant something when it was the script by the guy from Knives Out. <laughs> yeah, like if, if they didn't... If... Like, someone from, like, maybe Disney didn't swoop in and be like, Nah, you gotta get rid of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nah. But no, actually, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a different guy with the exact same pin on him. He's also a super hacker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's a little bit of a weird thing. Of Like, they go there to find this codebreaker guy, and then it's like, Well, well there's this other guy. He's good enough, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, again, uh, yeah. most of the, like pretty, pretty much the vast majority of that movie, great, but yeah, and then it's like immediately undone in the next one of like, yeah, don't worry about that shit, Mark Hamill's gonna tell you that he was wrong to say the Jedi need to die, <laughs> like, fuck off, Force goes Mark Hamill, yep. <laughs> I don't believe you, you're being written by somebody different, <laughs> uh, we should probably get back to she -Ra. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Star Wars. This is, not a, this is not a. This is this can't be a Star Wars podcast because Star Wars is not really queer for the most part. So you're saying when I suggest the Clone Wars for our next series, you're gonna shoot me down? <laughs> Does the Clone Wars have any queer rep in it? Um... Also, technically, it would be my pick next because we, your pick was Shira. Yeah. Uh, Ahsoka is probably bi, but she doesn't get to explore it because she's a part of a monastic order that prevents romance interference. So. 
Yep, sure is. <laughs> so. Meanwhile, I feel like a lot of the problems with the Jedi would be just be resolved if they just let them fuck. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, Anakin invents the word transgender. <laughs> okay, H- how does Anakin Skywalker, the person that makes the creates the word? <laughs> um, one of the clones, and this is unfortunately in a novel. It's not in the show. Uh, one of the clones uh, is trans and uh, is very afraid to tell anyone about it on account of them all being clones. But she brings it up to Anakin and he's all like, well, I mean, the Jedi are all about transcending things. We can't complain if you've transcended your gender. Oh, transgender. <laughs> that's probably a good word for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a, that's a bit hokey. <laughs> To use the uh, the Star Wars term for being a Jedi, <laughs> or the Force, whatever. <laughs> Diversity the, the, when the, the uh, genocidal mass maniac supports trans rights. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Good, good for him, I guess. So, like, he might go ahead and m- be responsible for murdering billions, but at least he's at least Anakin Skywalker says queer rights. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Does that have any like uh, larger uh, implications writ large if one clone realizes that they're trans doesn't that i mean i know that the clones over time start to like make their own like have their own personalities but like doesn't that kind of like have some implication there that like most of the a good portion of the clones might actually be trans if they're all come from the same person Uh, not really like they are all very much their own person no matter how much the series tries to beat them into being the same thing and that's a thing that really, really could have been explored, but uh, they sure didn't do it in the six seasons of Clone Wars they had. Pity. I know, right? Like, I, I know Commander Cody and General Rex are guys. Commander Cody and General Rex are the same guy with two different names. <laughs> <laughs> also true, they have the same face and the same voice, but yeah, they're two different guys. Well, like, even within clone personalities, they're identical. You get a kind of a range of clone personalities in that show, and, then, and they and just have the same then, and then you remember that that same guy is Boba Fett's dad. <laughs> Slash actually just Boba Fett because uh, Boba Fett is just a clone yeah. of Jango Fett. <laughs> just unaltered that he treats as his son, even though it's like, this is definitely still just me and definitely uh, treating this kid as like a source of like a kidney if I need one. <laughs> okay, fine. So we'll do Endor instead. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Endor, I know, is actually queer, right? Uh, there is a couple in Endor, yes. Yay, that's like more than Star Wars usually gets. <laughs> <laughs> and again, that would that would be like uh something like a year from now when you get your pick. Yeah. <laughs> and and knowing uh what you've been talking about recently, you might just say Dragon Prince. <laughs> eh, maybe. There's other things I would choose before it. I guess. And also, like, if we did Dragon Prince, uh, it would be a little strange, because, like, I mean, if they go at the pace they've been going at, we would basically be stopping after se- four seasons and then be like, alright, well... Time to wait three we'll years. Get to the- <laughs> yeah, we'll get to season five. <laughs> it's released in, like, 2025. Yeah. Nah, I mean, realistically, yeah. I would absolutely choose Kipo before Dragon Prince. That's not even a consideration. <laughs> That's fair. I feel like it's also like a little strange when it's like not a show that we're actively watching as it's airing or one that like we one of us at the least haven't seen because like by that point we'll both be current with Dragon Prince anyway. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, compared to like I've never seen Kipo and I'm interested to watch Kipo.
Well, there you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Machira. Machira. <laughs> Tried to get us back there, and then we talked about Star Wars. Uh, this is my gift. Left. You can't avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, yes, that's where I left off. Uh, but yeah, everybody starts to head out, and Mecha reassures Adora that she's still capable and will save Glinner, Glimmer. Uh, it's a Glinner. Pretty sure Glinner is a, uh, a Republican senator or something like that. Uh, no, he's worse. He's a British transphobe. Oh, cool. He's, okay. he's one of her friends. Oh, oh okay. Except sure. uh, not exactly, because he lost everything on account of his transphobia, and she didn't give him any help, so everyone just laughs at him. Ha 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 ha. Good, good. Fuck him. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, yeah, continuing on. Uh, aboard... Horde Prime Ship again. I almost said Hop Hop because I wrote HP. Hey. <laughs> aboard, aboard Prime Ship, uh, Glimmer is being kept in the cell, and as hinted that last episode, she cannot tap into her magic this far from her runestone. And Catra watches her from the shadows because Catra just has to be weird at all times, and especially extra. <laughs> and she leaves her to just like talk to nobody in particular to come t talk to her. <laughs> and. <laughs> It's it's one of those again weird cuts because we immediately go back to the rebellion where uh, Scorpia, Adora, and Swifty and Bo. I don't know why I wrote it. I don't know why I wrote it like that. Scorpia, Adora, and Swifty and Bo is what I wrote saying. So that's how I wrote it. Uh, but they always see more civilians being relocated, and Scorpia and Swifty just get along really well because they're just both head empty, no thoughts people. Huh. Uh. Adora sees a little kid drop a plushie of Shira and hands it back to them. <laughs> just a little cute thing. Doesn't get brought up or anything. It's just she's just like, oh, well, I don't get to be Shira anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a moment. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and Bo at that point notices some Prime clones approaching, and Bo uh, smartly says that they should leave. But Adora, being the idiot that she is, goes to attack them all her on her own. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, uh, uh, just a thought. Do you want to call him, instead of HP for Horde Prime, do you want to call him Jeff because he's Prime? <laughs> no, he's just Prime. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it just works easier. <laughs> you want to call I mean, him uh, Amazon.com in space? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think of how to like turn the word the name Horde Prime into like a Jeff Bezos joke. <laughs> Pe Bezos, <laughs> Prime Bezos. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Catra goes and reports the Prime's throne room, only to find him in like a sort of like a trance before he wakes up, saying that he was ever seeing the memories of Hordak and that he didn't like Catra much in the end. Because Katra obviously lied to Hordak and then uh, basically uh, pretty much almost killed him fully. <laughs> uh, but Katra tries to say that he needs her in order to figure out how the heart works, even though not really. <laughs> and she pledges herself to his service officially. <laughs> even though I thought that she did that already. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess they just yeah. put that off till later. Yeah. It's a little strange because again, it's like been like at least like a few weeks, maybe, and it's like it's only now that you're like asking for her like to swear herself into your service, basically. All right, well, we had to watch all those memories. Yeah, uh, uh, he's he's just been binge watching a lot of stuff on Netflix, basically, just being like, yeah, I just gotta watch a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, yes. Uh, 
But yeah, Adora has another like little vision of uh, some other She-Ra in her dreamscape, and then wakes up to her being dragged off by her friends, since Scorpia says that she had to sting her in order to be able to get her away, and that she uh, apologizes, but definitely will sting her again if needed. <laughs> Scorpia continues to be the best person in this show. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, sure but does. I will do that again if I need to, because fuck you. <laughs> Uh, and Bo once again has to remind Adora that she's not invincible anymore, and that she needs to be more careful, and that, and, uh, she says that her idea was to get the clones to reveal where Glimmer is, alright, I guess by just beating the shit out of them. <laughs> and Bo does concede that finding the clones is reckless, but trying to capture and interrogate one is at least a better idea than what Adora wanted to do. <laughs> so they just go and find a clone that's walked off from some others, and pretty much just easily managed to catch it just by, uh, shooting Bo's net arrows at it. <laughs> pretty... <laughs> It's pretty, uh, not a big deal, actually, to catch one of them. Yeah, Prime clones are not super impressive, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, weirdly enough. Uh, yeah, but back over with Glimmer, she's pissed about the situation, which is basically still just 85% her, her own fault, because she wanted to do a genocide. <laughs> she has only herself to blame. Uh, but, but Captor shows up, and Captor says here the gloat, <laughs> because that's all Captor really does, ever. Uh, but Glimmer, but Glimmer rightfully brings up that Catra's just as alone as she is here, <laughs> and that uh, after seeing what happened to Hordak, she just as easily will also probably get the uh, beaten the shit out by Horde Prime inevitably, just like Hordak did. But at that, two Prime clones show up and say that Prime wants them to both to join him for dinner because uh, Horde Prime's an asshole. <laughs> Prime is such a weirdo. Why does he let Catra just run around his ship? <laughs> like, yeah, you would think that she would be at least in like some other kind of like confinement or something, just while he's trying to figure out her deal in general. <laughs> yeah, like at the very least, if you take her Having... at her word and assume that she's the one who knows how this weapon works, you need her locked down. It doesn't matter if she swears fealty to you. Yeah. You can't take the, least, the risk like, that she'll accidentally shoot herself out of an airlock. <laughs> yeah, like at the least, like some clones should be probably going with her all the time. Yeah. Yeah, just being like, yep, we need we need to keep an eye on you, just make sure you don't do shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh yeah, back with the others and the captured clone. The clone says that Glimmer is another guest of Ford Prime with his flagship, far away from Etheria. And he he also will just like uh, occasionally just intersperse what he's talking about just by like doing a bunch of accolades for Horde Prime, just saying he's the greatest fucking guy and all will serve him and blah blah blah. <laughs> and everybody just eventually t tries to get him to shut up. Uh, but he eventually does say that Prime sees everything. We'll find him eventually. Only this for them to see a sick, uh, little magic signal from Micah off in the sky. And they go and just re run back to the camp to find another attack. I guess they just left the clone there tied up or kill them i don't know <laughs> they don't address this i absolutely uh, love that they were under attack and micah had to take a moment to fire the magical come save us signal but he still took the time to make it his logo <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not even just a like just a flare or like just like him basically casting skyrite that just says help <laughs> just fucked it's just like no it's just straight up his insignia <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when they get there, uh, during like some of the fighting, uh, Shadow Weaver ends up saving Micah from one of the like the robot uh, soldiers, and like Micah's like not thrilled at this, but still he's kind of grizzled like the begrudging like nod and everything of like mm. <laughs> <laughs> he still sucks, but yeah, thanks I guess. <laughs> uh, 
I really, uh, really do not remember this, and I super hope they're not setting up Micah Shadow Weaver. <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> for for one, Shadow Weaver is like way, way, way older than him. <laughs> I mean, like she was already she was already like something in like her like thirties when he was a teenager in the flashback episode, right? Well, that's the question, yeah. Because if like if we assume she was thirty when he was twelve, that means she's eighteen years older than him. Which obviously is a problem as a kid, but he's older now by twenty years. Is that is an eighteen year age gap still an issue if both people, if the younger one is in their thirties? Uh, uh kind of hard to say. Like I, I know I always remember hearing people talk about the whole like half age plus seven thing, mm -hmm. but that always kind of struck me as kind of horseshit because like that's a little I arbitrary. Mean, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if if you go based on that, then it's like when you're fifty, you can date someone that's thirty two, and that's like that that again, that's eighteen years old. Actually, <laughs> like exactly what we're talking about here. It's like that that feels too much. Fair enough. Yeah, that that it just feels like too much, and, <laughs> and also like I feel like uh, especially again like Micah would probably not want to be with Shadow Weaver because again she kind of fucked over his entire order of sorcerers when he was a kid. Yeah, like and, I would uh, not think so, and uh, I certainly would not think that anyone else would think so, given the whole abuse, mm -hmm. basically every main character thing. But you know, it's cartoons and cartoons are kind of notorious for having to redeem villains so yeah i um, guess i'm very nervous about that yeah because it is specifically a thing i do not remember what happens to shadow weaver <laughs> <laughs> fair okay <clears throat> hopefully not yeah yeah <laughs> yeah she's she's still an asshole like she's working with the good guys but she's still the dick <laughs> mm -hmm. doesn't undo her being a shitty person yeah Yes, uh, over at the dinner with Ford Prime, Prime basically just, like, casually threatens Etheria by saying the food Glimmer's eating is from a world that doesn't exist anymore. Just casually just putting that there, like, yeah, that's gonna be your planet soon, basically. <laughs> and then uh, shows her footage of the rebellion under attack, uh, live in progress. He's, he's Twitch streaming this stuff, I guess. <laughs> and... <laughs> eh, maybe. I will say, I think it is very funny to me the way he set up this table. Like, I get him and Glimmer being at opposite ends of the table, right? They're the treating monarchs. But just having Catra off to the side like that is very funny. Yeah, Catra's just <laughs> off in the middle. Nobody's across from her at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's not even like they're at, like, a circular table. Yeah, they're at a very long rectangular table. It's uh, it's that big, long table from the uh, Batman movie with Michael Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it it would kind of make a little bit more sense if, like, Catra was, like, seated, like, off to the side, like, right near Horde Prime, because, like, she is, like, well, I, I guess she's not his, like, number two at this point, but she is at least, like, something of, like, I, I don't know what her position with him would be, but it's, like, she's on his side. <laughs> yeah, so it's just, like, yeah, it's, like, it would make a little bit more sense to me if she was, like, right near him compared to just out here in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, for middle. real. <laughs> Oh, yes, uh, one of the cameras shows Adora and how she, like, uh, he's, like, basically figured out that she is clearly the beacon of hope for the rebellion as the former Shira, that, and, like, obviously she has to be snuffed out, and, like, shows, like, Adora being surrounded, but before she can be killed, Glimmer tells him to stop and spills the beans on how he needs all the princesses and Shira alive to use the heart, and killing Adora would make it not work, because... 
hey, at least you figured this out, Glimmer, and you're at least, like, it's still stupid, because it's like, she still wanted to get fire off the heart, and now that she's realized that it's the genocide laser for realsies, now she's feeling bad about it, but she's willing to still tell this guy of how it would work. As opposed to, like, yeah, obviously she doesn't want the door to die, but, like, if she let the door die, then you can't use the genocide laser. <laughs> so that that would work out, maybe. <laughs> yes, uh, Catra looks a little bit bummed out at what she saw in the camera feed, that Scorpia goes and electrocutes some soldiers to save Adora, as she has a panic attack over how she can't do anything on her own. Uh, yeah. To which Bo reminds wanna... her that she... Sorry, in that video footage, there's a moment, like before Adora comes on screen, when we're just watching the princesses, there's a moment where Catra very strongly reacts to Mermista getting hurt. And I'm curious about that, because we've never seen her care about Mermista, but like, just watching her body language, she freaks the heck out when that happens, so I don't know what yeah. that is. <laughs> hmm. I mean, it might just be her finally realizing that, like, now that she's kind of gotten what she wants, it's like, oh, now I'm actually seeing these people kind of get their asses kicked and maybe die. <laughs> oh no, they beat me all those times. What can I expect? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yes, uh... Yeah, like I was saying, Bo has to remind Adora that she hasn't been alone at all, and then they all just do their usual thing of working together to beat off the forces. Yes, you do. My phrasing, my phrasing there is bad. Work together to beat off the forces. Oh no. <laughs> uh, well, they didn't say uh, to beat off the horde. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they realize that they have to relocate the camp, obviously, since they've been found, and Adora gets an idea of where they can go hide. Uh, but yeah, uh, at the dinner. I guess I skipped over it. Yeah, Prime does not like actually give the kill order, or even though his like troops definitely seem like they're still gonna kill Adora anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Glimmer is escorted away, and Catra goes and tells Prime that he did a good job of manipulating Glimmer to get what he wanted out of her, only for him to say that uh, he has like mo like a weird monitoring system where he could tell that Adora, uh, that, uh, not Adora uh, that Catra was clearly upset about seeing the stuff on the screen because he could tell that she had like an elevated heart rate and stuff. And then he's like, oh, yeah, pretty much aware that's like, yeah, you care about Adora. She means something to you at some point, somehow. <laughs> and Prime uses on what use he has for Katja with all of her wheeling and dealing in the past with Horde Prime. Uh, not, not Horde. Ah, Hordak, I'm getting ah. names confused. There's too many people on this show. <laughs> uh, but he says that he has plans for her despite everything. And we basically end with Adora leading the others to a place that Raz showed her once in the deepest part of the Whispering Wood. Where they can like clearly be hidden by uh, from Horde Prime entirely, but she also gets a flash of that dreamscape again and passes out because we had to have this episode end on a cliffhanger, I guess. Yeah, it's a dramatic one for sure. Yeah, <laughs> like she's like literally screaming in pain from seeing this thing and then falls over. <laughs> uh, yeah, this episode ends in a kind of a weird place, huh? Yeah. It's 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 still definitely like a lot of this episode is like kind of the usual like season premiere in a lot of the way, same ways with the show. Yeah. But at least like more happens in it. It's just that it's like, I guess also it's like coming off of this, the season finale where it's like it's just not as interesting in comparison. But like you kind of expect that of like a season finale compared yeah. to a season premiere. Uh, I do want to make one quick note about the end of the episode mm -hmm. there. Uh, when Hordak is basically telling off Catra at the end, and he says that everyone can be useful, he specifically refers to her as little sister. 
which is creepy, and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> He's That's... just a big freak in space. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, um, no, I mean, I can't think of a lot that could be done to improve this episode, you know? It's just all about setting up the new status quo, so... Yeah. I mean, it's really called Horde Prime. It just has to establish Horde Prime as, like, an actual competent guy as opposed to Hordak. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. Like, I can't complain exactly, even though it's not the most interesting episode, because it tells us where we stand. And that's all yeah. this episode serves to do. Yeah. It, it's, it has very big, uh, like, Owl House Season 2, Episode 1 vibes of, like, all right, we're ha- where do we leave off after the events of the Season 1 finale? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, how is everybody dealing with this shit? Okay. <laughs> all right, things are going bad. Here's how they're going bad. Let's bring Hunter in here so we've got a new villain. <laughs> yeah, it, it's still kind of, like, nuts to also think about that's, like, Hunter's, like, actual introduction in the show properly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man, the, the the introduction of Hunter in that episode compared to where Hunter is at now is just so different. <laughs> Him being this, like, snarky, like, competent guy in, behind a mask, and then all of a sudden he's just a sad bad boy. <laughs> I remember when out. people thought he might be Eda's kid because he did the Bai thing? And now yeah, I, just, I, I definitely, I definitely remember seeing that theory go around a bit. Not much, but I definitely remember somebody saying yeah. that. <laughs> and it's like, no, I think they just like having characters say bye. Because <laughs> it's fun. Indeed. Little did they know that actually he was Camila's kid. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Camilla had uh, Camilla had a son two years before her daughter, and he uh, went to the demon realm for some reason. Then she never brings him up, <laughs> even when reunited with him. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that means it's probably just about time to head back to the eighties. Uh, I kind of teased this a while back, but I think it's probably time to finally talk about Horde Prime. What do you say? <laughs> yeah. So this is. A weird one and I say that sometimes but like okay all seriousness this is Horde Prime that is a big three-fingered metal gauntlet on the end of an arm shrouded in darkness that is all we see of Horde Prime <laughs> got fucking Galactus in the 80s show apparently <laughs> yeah he's like full on Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget you never see more than his hands uh... <laughs> I'm pretty sure I remember Dr. Claw actually at least like being in some shots petting a cat right not just being like a hand no he was always off screen the cat was there but like that was kind of the whole gag um but yeah so Horde Prime is uh Hordak's older brother <laughs> Uh, this is a little bit alluded to in the show since he calls Hordak younger brother all the time, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. Um, it is vaguely alluded to that he has two heads, but <laughs> since we never see him, we don't know that for sure. Um, and yeah, he, he's we know almost nothing about him. He is top boss of the evil horde, so he is like Hordak's manager, so to speak. Uh, he lives on the capital uh, planet of Horde World, 
<laughs> As you do in the 80s. As you do in the 80s. And that's pretty much it. He did once try to recruit Skeletor to uh, kill the spirit of Christmas. But actually, it turns <laughs> out that Skeletor is super into Christmas and betrayed him. So <laughs> that's not like pretty they, much what we've got. They call it Christmas. Hmm? It's, it's straight up called Christmas, not Life Day. No, yeah, it's in, Christmas. Uh, in space. Because they have okay. a portal to Earth, so they got real Christmas. Ah, uh, I gotcha. Um, in the, uh, I think it was 2006 Masters of the Universe series, he was shown, like, so, which is to say, Galactus from Fantastic Four 2006. <laughs> or 2004, I think that was. Uh, just a big glowy cloud with evil eyes. And, uh... That's, like, it. That's all he is. Um, he does show up in a couple comic books. I showed you the bug version of him once before. Mm -hmm. There is an action figure based on his appearance in the other comics, the English comics. And I'm just going to show you the action figure because it looks a lot better than the actual comic books do. <laughs> Which is saying something. You know how these toys look. Yep. Uh, this is that version of him. You'll notice that his head is the Horde logo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. So, that's... That's the guy. Um, he's almost entirely made up for this series, insofar as the name existed and he was Hordak's big brother. Everything else is original. <laughs> yep. And that's, uh, that's what I got for you today. <laughs> Just a weird cloud man with metal gloves. Yeah, well, I don't have any trivia because no, technically no new characters because, I mean, Horde Prime's just voiced by the same guy that voices Hordak, because clone. <laughs> so, what, you don't, don't want to go through it. every Horde clone? No. <laughs> 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 Definitely not. Just going to bring up the fact that they're all voiced by the same guy. <laughs> well, I guess. Uh, yeah, nah, not, nothing voice actors-wise, and also, again, nothing in general, because this show doesn't really have trivia. <laughs> Besides, <laughs> this is the episode when Horde Prime was introduced properly, and it's like, yeah, thanks, thanks, Wiki. <laughs> oh yeah, I never would have noticed. <laughs> yeah, gee, uh, weird. I wouldn't expect that uh, the the season finale where he showed up, and then the episode literally named after him are episodes when he makes his first proper appearances. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yeah, well, I guess that's pretty much it then, because we don't have questions for today. In the future, if you do have questions, you can send them to us at usweirdoscast on Twitter, uh, usweirdoscast at gmail.com, or usweirdos on co-host, because we have that, because Twitter is actively on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the fire just continues to get more and more kindling thrown on it. <laughs> although, although i mean uh where is it uh i definitely saw a tweet right now about some new advertising thing where is it uh scroll down where the fuck was it uh shit i'm trying to find it now i definitely saw Southpaw retweet it <laughs> uh spacex purchases large advertising package from twitter huh so yeah <laughs> i mean i wouldn't I hate having a promoted tweet, but uh, I don't want to pay Elon money, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if they give us a yep. bunch of free promoted tweets, then we'll do it. But until then. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, uh, turn, yeah, re uh, really, uh, real talk here, just don't give him your money, like, I mean, the whole thing of him trying to, like, have, like, your credit card on file, and it's like, don't give him your credit card, especially after the last few weeks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and, uh, you know, block every ad so he doesn't get the revenue. Exactly. We want to make this as painful as we can. Yep. <laughs> fuck him. Indeed, he made a mistake, and now we're going to bleed him. Mm-hmm. As much as possible. Yeah, um... I guess you can find me on Twitter, at patch underscore jacket, as long as Twitter is a platform that exists. Which it very, very well may not, because we are recording this in advance, so it's entirely possible it's gone by the time this goes live. Yeah, like, I mean, we're recording this episode on the 13th, it'll go live the week of the... 21st, basically. Yep. <laughs> Probably no, Twitter could be uh, fucking dead at this point. <laughs> it's true. You have the advantage in knowing that. You're in the future. We're not. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so I'm there and at nobody on co-host. I don't really use co-host right now, but uh, I probably will the instant Twitter finishes exploding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like that's still like most people when it comes to uh, Chost, as I've seen people refer to it as. Well, Chosting is when you put a post on co-host. Uh, oh, right, yeah. yeah. Or get, it's get when chost. you have your account activated so you can Chost. <laughs> it, just, it just sounds bad. Like It sounds like you're like, yeah, I had to take a wicked Chost earlier, man. Listen, I've been Chosted and I Chost like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that an episode title? A Wicked Shost? <laughs> ah! <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, as long as Twitter's still around, I'm still at Chloe Phil Chaos on there. Like, oh, yeah, no, no underscore. Uh, just Chloe Phil on the Chost, as the kids say. <laughs> as the teens are saying. Definitely, definitely not us. We're both in our thirties. We are old. <laughs> we're definitely not hip and te we are definitely not hip teens. Uh, yeah. No, I don't. I don't think I got much anything else. <laughs> Fair enough. We, we, I mean, we got distracted there for like twenty minutes in the middle of the episode. Yeah, normally about we do that Wars. at the end. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Because I guess we have no further diversions today, there's not much left to say, but uh, remember, us readers have, have to, to stick together. together. Bye.